Let me tell you what this political movement is about. Jobs and growth for all Australians. Don jobs and growth. Have great jobs. Economic growth. Strong growth. More jobs. When they go low, we go high. So I'm seeing in my mind something very similar with this bill to a colonoscopy. Let me just stop you so you don't waste a line of questioning. I'm just giving you... I love the mansplaining. I would build a great wall, and nobody builds walls better than me, believe me. Please clap. Please clap. This is Represent. 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 On Nation. Afternoon. You are listening to another episode of Represent on Sin Nation, the hour of politics. I'm Tash. I'm Julia. And I'm Patrick. On today's show, we'll be discussing superannuation and the talks surrounding whether young people should be able to access those funds to purchase their first home, which is an important topic in the wake of the federal budget in May. We'll be also discussing the legality surrounding euthanasia and the Victorian government's announcement to release legislation this year regarding whether it should be made legal. We'll also be looking at the US, where Neil Gorsuch was officially sworn in as a Supreme Court justice. And of course, we have Pop Chat, where we end a rather dense political episode with a lighthearted headline or story from the week that reminds us that politics can sometimes be fun, wonderful and downright cringeworthy. You can get involved too. Just send us a tweet to at SinRepresent or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash SinRepresent. We're going to start off with a song. This is James Vincent McMorrow with Wicked Game. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. Nobody knows no one. You just heard James Vincent McMorrow with Wicked Game. You're listening to represent on Sin Nation, the hour of politics. Um, so we were going to discuss um, the new proposal to allow young people to use their own superannuation to buy a home. So Parliament has been divided over the proposal, which has resurfaced since being introduced by a former, former Treasurer Joe Hockey during 2015. Um, for those wondering what superannuation is... Superannuation is the money you earn that is set aside and put into a separate account that is not allowed to be used to purchase smashed avo. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm sure I'm not sure exactly where that where that particular avo joke came from. Bernard um, Salt. <laughs> Bernard Salt. I've now been I've now learned so yes, it's have. good. I have. It's I heard good. cafes discounted avo on toast just so like millennials could afford a home. So I yes. thought it was like. Are really nice. That's very thoughtful. Yeah, it's com- community mm. effort. Anyway, I did. I had another idea, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I will go into. Okay. Um, so it seems like every every article about Gen Y and being unable to find the funds to like weasel their way into the housing market includes the um, includes a bit of a joke about the um, inclination to buy smashed avo. Um, so I thought maybe since these smashed avos are causing such an issue. Um, maybe we should just get rid of them all together um, and stop selling them. But then I thought, no, um, banning things doesn't tend to work. It wouldn't stop um, young people buying smashed avo. It would probably just end in the formation of underground smashed avo <laughs> <Yes>. sales. Um, <laughs> 
I come would be the, the leader of that. Oh my god, <laughs> come into the alley. We've got some, you know. You want feta cheese or goat's cheese? Which one? <laughs> oh my god. Well, maybe like they could come round to people's houses. Like, Sick. like other people could come to the house. I have all the avocado, yeah. and none of them are gross. They like hide like in a it under case. lettuce or something. Yeah, they're like, yes. oh no, this is just iceberg lettuce. Just iceberg lettuce. Yeah. What's your favorite type of lettuce? Iceberg. Iceberg. <laughs> Not like rocket or anything more like. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> since, anyway. Anyway, <laughs> since banning things doesn't tend to work, I think maybe we should just, just tax it. So tax, tax. smashed avo. So the government tax could tax it. Oh, and I don't then, know. <laughs> and then what we could do is when that money accumulates, we could use it to fund grants to give them to young people mm. to like buy their first houses. So kind of like, it's like, a government mandated bank account for young people. They that, just that, get it that, back that, later. That sort of sounds like, you know, like superannuation. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. This is that's the topic. Superannuation. Well, um yeah, on on superannuation. So the income that you the funds are accumulated um by law, so it's a legal thing. So it's 9.5% of your income and you can't just take money out of it. Um, so, you know, the government's had a few different packages um, to sort of figure out how to use super. And I don't necessarily, I think they need a lot more work, but one of them were to have first home buyers withdraw from a voluntary super contribution to buy a home and then also having a compulsory super guarantee that couldn't be touched. So that's like the traditional superannuation. And then the Turnbull government was also considering a shared equity scheme, which I think needs, um, you know, a lot of questions were raised when I was reading this. So the workers and the super funds would both own a portion of the person's property investment. So when the money, um, so the money would be returned to the super fund when the property was sold, which is weird. Does, like, that, does that sound weird to you? It's, so, it sounds very complicated. So, so then like... So the person would invest in a home and then the super fund also has part of that investment in order for the person to afford it. So then when that person sells the home, the money goes back to the super fund that they put in. But, you know, you can't confirm like real estate prices go up and down. So you can't confirm um, a return on the investment. Um, so it's not like renting, like you can't assure that you're going to get $600 a week. Like, yeah, because... Th- houses will sell for different yeah so i don't know and i think that there's a lot of issues when you bring a super fund into somebody's investment property but um yeah so anyway with the idea of using your super fund to purchase a home um it kind of there's good and bad that have gone do you have good and bad um do you you want to talk about so yeah yeah, pros um, and cons i I can do that (laughs) Um, no worries so I guess the idea of a super fund is that it can be used for some sort of investment. So um, investing in land and property, is a, it can be a pretty stable investment. But at the same time, um, I think normally you would invest that kind of money in shares. Like that would be at the discretion of the super fund. If it fund. wasn't in a super fund. If it, so in the super fund. Oh, yeah, so the super fund, yeah, they is do normally use that. invested in shares. Yeah. So maybe um, investing in property offers an alternative to investing in shares. So maybe it's not all that much of a leap as... I think what's questionable is that um, the super fund is reserved for your retirement. So 
when and especially with the way housing prices are now they're, they're much more expensive so you know someone my age or maybe like 30 or whatever would have maybe 30,000 in their super fund and in order to put a down payment on a house it might cost like 30 20,000 yeah. dollars so that's like most of their fund gone into a house and then you know you don't have a safe bet for retirement and then you know if you get into retirement and you don't have that much money yet because you've been dipping into your super fund, then you sort of like circling back to relying on the government for pensions and stuff like yeah. that, which I think is it's a good point. But I also do, yeah, I mean, there's good and bad. I guess you it. do still have that capital asset of the land and property. Yeah. Um, so even though it's not like financial, you still have something like you could potentially sell that in order to finance something when you, when you are older. And the thing is that the value of property since land is like, um, well, they're not making any more land. So um, it's a commodity that's like not renewable. I guess it's only going to increase in value. Mm. Um, so I, Depending on, on yeah. how. Like it's, at the moment, it's the property market's been, you know, going up, up, up for like five years or something. So, you know, we've, there's been speculation that we're in a bubble of sorts and that it can't last mm -hmm. because everything's so more expensive. Yeah. And I think another questionable thing with the super fund is the idea of supply and demand. So if you have um, people, you know, taking money out, um, you kind of have, I don't know, I don't think it solves the issue of housing, housing affordability. More people will be able to buy yeah. houses yeah. at a high which, rate, which yeah, increase so prices. It's not necessarily going to say like, oh, there's so many people, I'll put a discount on my house. Like, yeah. yeah I think... I think also one one big issue that people are having with just taking out super in general is if people spend their super, what happens when they do retire? Like, even if they are able to spend, like, you know, sell things, um, there'll be a proportion of people who will still want to um, own the assets that they have bought with super, and this could possibly increase the need for an age pension. Yeah. And that is also, like... Do we want dependability now or do we want dependability later? Like, that's that's also an issue. Mm. I also wanted to talk about a few of the politicians because um, it's been a bit, like, disagree, agree um, within the federal government and then also on the outside. So the people who are for it are Treasurer Scott Morrison, uh, Tony Abbott, who is the politician who never seems to go away, and Cabinet Minister Matt Canavan. So they're all... Think it, they think it's a good idea. Um, Tony Abbott specifically said that there are supply factors and there are demand factors, and one thing the federal government could do that would ease some of the demand pressure is to scale back immigration, at least until land release and infrastructure can keep up. So uh, bringing up his ideas there. Um, but then a lot of other people disagree with it. Malcolm Turnbull has stuck with his 2015 um, opinion on it, saying that it was a thoroughly bad idea. Um, and Finance Minister Matthias Cormann, uh, Christopher Pine also, he didn't like the idea of all of these politicians airing out their opinions so publicly. But then he kind of uh, cautiously... Um, disclosed what he thought of the superannuation, saying that superannuation has a particular role. It's a retirement income. Um, our superannuation system is the envy of the world. And those people who seek to fiddle with it are putting that at risk. So 
few ideas from people. Also, Barnaby Joyce said that um, if people want affordable housing, they should move to the country. And I kind of thought that was funny because oh, I'm it, not going to move to the country. It was an interesting idea that that kind of raises with um, moving to the country is kind of the decentralisation idea, which yeah. which has been mentioned. And that was that was that a lot of I think it's a lot of employment opportunities are really like um, densely. Um, available in the city yeah, and which makes it difficult for people to relocate to more uh, more rural areas and I think um, there was a lot of talk about a lot of teachers and nurses and just people and workers in general were unable to find housing near the areas where they work hmm. which was which was causing issues yeah um, also uh Crossbench Senator Darren Hinch said um, that it was a crazy idea, but he also said that owning your own home is not an Australian right. It's a dream and everyone wants to do it. Um, so there's really, it's such a big issue. A lot of people have some really uh, differing opinions on it and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially with the budget coming up, um, to see if they would want to um, take from superannuation um, and stop handing out housing grants and see if that will make the budget look better. But um, we're going to go to some public opinion um, mm-hmm. on I, superannuation. I spoke to some young people about the issue and here it is. So there's been a proposition in government to allow people to use their superannuation in order to get a deposit for their home. Um, do you think that this is a good idea? No. Why not? Yeah. Basically, because when you are a young person, there probably isn't even enough super saved up for you to get enough from your super to make a deposit because of how little you earn as a young person. Mm -hmm. But even then, your super is meant for your retirement and you shouldn't have to dip into that in order to be able to get a home. If you are working, you know, full-time or even part-time, you should be able to get enough for a deposit for a house. And if you don't, that means that there's something wrong with the wages Mm -hmm. and the wages need to be addressed as opposed to, oh, you can go dip into your super for this. I think it's a shit idea. That's about, <laughs> that's all I have to say about it. And the fact that this is being suggested as a solution is utterly ridiculous. I think it actually depends. Because on the one hand, suppose your is technically your asset. Mm-hmm. And I think people should have a right to access it as a financial resource. And what if people don't want to get retirement? And But on the other hand, I think... If you spend your super on a house, and what if you can't repay your debt, and then you lose the asset, and what about when it comes to retirement, are you gonna be, are you gonna become a burden to the society and your family? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think because um, the reason why they are um, looking at um, super as a possibility is because, um, you know, of young people particularly not being able to get into the housing market. Do you think that um, using super as an asset is the best way to, I guess, get people in, like, get young Australians into getting their own houses and stop renting? 
I don't think it's necessarily the best way mm -hmm. because there are policies and regulations can actually regulate the real estate market mm -hmm. instead, of, instead of using super as an alternative, as a financial source for young people to get into the housing market. Because um, right now, a lot of people, especially people with high incomes, are investing in the housing market and that is potentially increasing um, the price for the housing market and that is one possibility why young people can't afford a house to themselves and they have to rent. <laughs> um, you said earlier that like a su the super that someone, um, I guess, accumulates throughout their working life is an asset that they own and they should have some kind of um, autonomy over that. What, what things do you think um, could be possible uses for super other than um, retirement? I've done some studies in family law. And okay, there are court cases where people can access their super for IVF treatments. And but in order to do that, they actually need to um, they actually need to obtain an order from court in order to do that. I think it might it might be one possibility where they can access their super as a financial resource to achieve their means. And that was some people I spoke to for Vox Pops on superannuation. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens in regard to that issue um, when it comes to the budget on May 9th. Um, it's time for another song. This is um, Alex the Kid and Joseph Angel with American Fur Funeral. You're listening to Sin. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. So, um, don't forget to join the discussion and let us know what you think of housing affordability. Yeah, um, so, yeah, some interesting ideas from those um, Vox, Pops Vox Pops just there, um, especially regarding kind of um, how much money young people actually do have in super and whether it would be whether it would be enough to afford a house. I think a lot of the arguments were that the extra money in super would enable young people to kind of have enough to make the payment for a deposit for a house. But really, if you kind of consider the amount of money a lot of young people would have in super, it might not be extensive. Yeah, mm. I was I was thinking about um, that and whether I would have enough money in my super. And I, I definitely like don't it. have enough super <laughs> for that. Anyway, here's a song. This is um, American Funeral. God bless America. That was Alex DeKid and Joseph Angel with American Funeral. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation, the hour of politics. And we are going to start to discuss euthanasia, which has been a really big issue um, in the week. Um, it was discussed on Q&A. And, um, yeah, so... Well, um, yeah, it's a really contentious issue, um, whether it should be legalised um, uh, a lot of arguments are about, you know, sort of if it is legalised, it'll be a slippery slope um, surrounding what other measures of legalised death would be allowed. Um, but an inquiry into end-of-life choices by the Vic government's um, key findings were, like, it was really um, it was really detailed and it wasn't just sort of like, oh, let's legalise death. It was really um, mm. discussing, like, how palliative care needs to be um, properly uh, recognised by the government and um, conversation around whether euthanasia should be legalised shouldn't become, shouldn't be taboo. Um, but 
Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> palliative care was something I kind of encountered and wasn't really sure what it what it was. Um, do you, <laughs> for those that don't know? Oh, um, yeah. So palliative care is obviously um, like care that is given for people who are terminally terminally ill. Um, so they are dying. Um, so this is like you know people who are currently in hospices, um, people who are basically living in hospital because they are going to die. So it's like round the clock care. Yes. And, and-, and um, palliative care refers to like there's multiple aspects of palliative care um, at this point because you know you might have you know stage four cancer or. Um, or an illness that is just completely inoperable, um, rather than medicine, you know, trying to find the cure because it is currently at the dead end, literally. Um, you know, um, most of the treatment for these people is just to make them feel comfortable. So, um, pain relief and um, <clears throat> ensuring that you know they feel good and, and comfortable and ha- happy. Again, there's obviously limits with that. Like, you know, some people may be able, may be perfectly fine with that level of palliative care. And then there might be some people who are like, you know what, I kind of just can't, you know, have this particular, um, you know, I can't just kind of wait around for myself to die. Yeah. Um, so that's probably where, you know, euthanasia would come mm. into it. Yeah, I noticed a lot of the discussion was kind of, um, fueled by personal experience. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's to be expected, um, and I think there's a reason why that is the case because it is personal issues. Um, um, because obviously it's I guess a freedom of discussion. So you know, free, like we have similar um, you know very personal discussions when talking about freedom of speech, um, freedom of expression freedom to freedom to die is also um one of those particular issues and i think um there's some really compelling reasons both for and against euthanasia yeah well it is um a very personal issue which is why i think it's kind of important we mentioned um the i think the victorian parliament is soon to take a conscience vote on it mm-hmm. yeah They're on, on euthanasia yeah so that sorry no i was going to say that's interesting because on Q&A, Margaret Somerville, who um, is a professor of bioethics at the University of Notre Dame, she was against um, euthanasia because her mum uh, didn't tell... And now I'm going to get this story wrong, but her mum didn't tell her family that they, she was going to go through with it because she didn't want them to be liable by the police. Yeah. So, And she's against it. And then you have Daniel Andrews, whose father was um, suffering until he died recently. And he is trying to introduce legislation to prevent that sort of end of life circumstance. So I think it's interesting the different, yeah, like although it's personal, the different takes that. And I feel like um, you get a a great deal of polarization because, Mm. um, like, with the first case, you know, to an extent, I'm sort of like, you know, if someone is terminally ill and have a right to end their life, um, that's a personal decision. And, if and you know, it's kind of like it might feel unfair that she didn't tell anyone, but she just didn't want to create a burden for that family. Yeah. And, like, that's a really complicated position. And, unfortunately, I feel like the reason why she would have made that decision is because it is illegal. Um, one interesting perspective, and I think it's a perspective that, um, should be really like focused on is like obviously people don't 
make decisions um, in a vacuum and there's been a lot of um, discourse within the disability community mainly um, about whether or not um, whether or not like euthanasia is good or bad because there is um, a very pervasive form of kind of not necessarily discrimination but like you know disabled people are told you know oh I would prefer die than be xyz um so there's a bit of an issue around that but also there is a very true fact that there are people who are in situations where they aren't going to come out alive where they you know are literally waiting to die and they're in hospices and, you know, even if every single um, consideration was taken to make sure that their quality of life is perfect, they're still in, like, extreme pain. Um, you know, maybe that makes sense. Maybe euthanasia does make sense. But at the same time, euthanasia does kind of... And, like, again, this is only if euthanasia is not done correctly or is is not introduced in the correct manner and we've seen cases like this in other countries um euthanasia does tend to impound um ageism and ableism in the sense that you know people who are old have less reason to live people who are disabled have less reason to live and it kind of um cements that already uh, an idea that's already in society but needs to be kind of fixed up um there were a couple of cases in other countries that were really interesting um there was a case of a gay man i think he was i don't remember where he was but i think it was like in denmark or somewhere and he decided to get euthanasia because he thought that being queer was such a burden on his life that like um you know he just didn't want to live anymore basically um, and that's a case that's, like, quite ridiculous. Mm. But it, that's the case of, you know, obviously euthanasia without, like, rigorous... Um, without rigorous... What's it called? Regulation. <laughs> another <Rigorous> case... <laughs> another case was in England where um, I think a woman had hurt herself quite badly and she was all like, I want to refuse this medical treatment because I have lost the spark of life because I'm not pretty enough anymore. Um, so that wasn't necessarily... She she didn't get it done in England, though. It wasn't in England. Oh, it's not legal there. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't for euthanasia. That was oh, more a okay, case of it. refusing. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, oh, do okay. not resuscitate. Okay. Yeah, so, like, the, even though this particular issue was not... Um, was curable, she said no... Um, I want to refuse this particular um, f- like treatment, yeah. even though it was relatively minor, because oh, I just want to die anyway. Well, I think it's yeah, like we can't really talk lightly about it. And the Victoria, what I've read of the Victorian framework, well, I haven't read the legislation yet, obviously, but um, it's it's really rigorous. It's not like overseas. You have um, it. It is a little bit lighter on the law, mm. like. You can, um, I forgot what it's called, you can have advanced directives. So that means you can tell, disclose to a doctor, I want to die if I get to this yeah. sort of per- point. And then if you're not of sound mind, they still take that. It's like a will. Yes, yes. They can do that, but you can't 
do that here from my what I read yep. in the framework. Definitely. Also, just because I wanted to fact check <laughs> and I just remembered like two stories and I'm like, oh shit, which ones were right? Um, so the story about the queer man who wanted to get euthanasia that was in um, Belgium and. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say Denmark. Yeah, I said Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was thinking somewhere like in Europe. Yeah. Small country in Europe. Um, and I'm not sure if we actually went through with it, but um, that was one thing. Um, and then um, woman losing spark. Losing spark. Womanly. Um... Well, another one yeah, that isn't, measure. another one that isn't. Um, I th- I don't think you can in Victoria. They will be introducing anything of if you're, you know, mentally ill, um, you have dementia or something like along those lines. I don't think you'll be able to uh, qualify to get euthanasia because you're not of sound mind, um, and you have to. Or otherwise, I think maybe they might have um, doctors or practitioners sort of making that assessment. But it's not as, um, I don't want to say loose, because it's, like, not loose over there, but um, it's there's a lot of restrictions on it. Yeah. Which which is definitely important with, with yeah. regards to this. And that was something that really did become a key a key topic of discussion on Q&A this week, um, especially. So I think we've got a, we've got a clip yes, from Q&A is. that we've we'll just, just been queuing up. Queuing up. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Margaret, uh, I'm 90 years of age. My wife is 81. We've decided that we will not go into any kind of aged care facility. And if the time comes where we, we can't take care of ourselves, we will look for some form of euthanasia. We've told our children about our wishes. They have, albeit reluctantly, uh, agreed that that is relatively effective. Sorry, not effective, but they, they've agreed to our wishes. But you don't seem to be able to agree, and why? Okay, that's a big question. Um, you're talking about what the Dutch are now calling a completed life. And the Dutch are actually looking at extending euthanasia to people like you who say, I'd rather be dead than go into a nursing home, even though you're not terminally ill. And originally, when euthanasia was first introduced, it was usually a condition that you had to be in terrible suffering. You had to... The suffering wasn't able to be relieved. You had to be a competent adult and you had to give your informed consent. And now what we see in the Netherlands, and actually in Belgium as well, none of those conditions necessarily apply. Are now, you making a slippery slope argument, uh, Margot? Uh, well, it is a slippery slope argument, yes. But, and that's by way of leading to why do I think euthanasia is a very bad idea. Um, I actually believe that one person... Uh, 
intentionally killing another person is wrong. But not everybody agrees with that. Some people think it can be justified in some cases. But even if you think that, I would argue to you that the risks and harms of legalising, and particularly legalising doctors being able to take the lives of their patients, inflicting death intentionally, is so dangerous that we shouldn't allow it. Your death doesn't affect just you. Your death is, is it's a, so, a social event. It affects your family, it affects your community. And ultimately, if what we're doing in society is changing the law to allow this type of, putting it bluntly, killing, uh, then it, it's a seismic shift in our values as a society that it's, it doesn't uphold respect for life at a societal level. And you have to have respect for life at two levels, for every individual person and for society okay. in general. I've got to go... Thank you, Margot. I'm going to go back to Ron in a moment, so bear with us. Um, I want to hear from uh, Nikki Gemmell, who's... Um, put this uh, whole issue on the agenda. Yeah. Look, Ron, thank you for your story and thank you for your compassion and your courage in talking about it and with talking to your children about it because that's what my mother didn't do. She was suffering from chronic pain and she had investigated the euthanasia situation in this country and she realised that to protect us she would have to go alone. And she died a very bleak and lonely and desolate death without any love and without her family around her because she was trying to protect us. She knew that if we were implicated, if we were involved in any way, if we assisted in any way, we would be implicated. We could possibly be facing police investigations, and I did have a police investigation. Um, we could face fines, possibly even jail terms. Mum was trying to protect us, but she was a passionate advocate of euthanasia and wanted the situation to change in Australia so that she could pass away peacefully in a room brimming with love, surrounded by love. We have so many elderly people in this country, the beautiful police officer with absolute tenderness and compassion who came to me to my doorstep and told me that my mother had died. She said to me, Nikki, this is an epidemic. On my beat, I see this situation happening all the time with elderly people suiciding. So that's basically it. Um... A so segment from Q&A. Yeah. I also want to fact-check myself. I accidentally said it was Margaret um, Margaret Somerville who had that story about her mum dying alone, but it was actually Nikki Gemmell. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. They're all good. There's a lot of things that we need to fact-check. We're yeah. all into our fact-checking here at Represent. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely an interesting point and it's an interesting issue and it's, like, obviously what we would want is ensuring that everyone... Um, has like bodily autonomy um but again obviously in some senses euthanasia will ensure bodily autonomy and and also in some cases especially around disability and um making sure that people um are able to actually say no i don't want this to happen to me um you know that there's an issue about um possibly personal autonomy being taken away from people but that's definitely one to watch. Um, and if this has brought up any issues with you, um, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. You can call B 
Beyond Blue on 1300 224636 or you could call Kids Helpline on 1800 55 1800. We are going to go and play a song now. This is Sophie Lowe with Understand. You're listening to you're listening to represent on Sin Nation. That was Sophie Lowe with Understand. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. Um, So as an interesting follow-on from our last discussion on euthanasia, um, we're going to be talking about Neil Gorsuch, which is he's actually um, published a book called The Future of Assisted Suicide and Euthanasia, which which goes over, um, which is just an overview of the ethical and legal um, issues associated um, with assisted suicide and euthanasia. But um, now we're going to talk about how Neil Gorsuch has been um, sworn in, um, in as the Supreme Court Justice in America. Tash has a lot of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> it's only... It's important. It is okay? important. He's, gonna, he's like... He's 49. The, he didn't even get the, the majority of, vote, of the vote. Yeah, he's the youngest on the, on the, just on the court. He's going to be there for the next 30 years. He's obviously a conservative. And... I just want Ruth Bader Ginsburg to wake up healthy for the next forever. For anyway. 50 more years at least. Yeah, at please least. Do. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not like it wasn't an easy confirmation. There was a lot of hassle. Um, Antonin Scalia died last February, so he, you know, he really screwed things up. So Obama, you know, had the rights to fill that seat, but the Republicans said that they just would not accept um, whoever he put forward, so it was left to Trump. Um, and the final tally on the confirmation was 54 to 45 in Gorsuch's favour, but um, the Democrats filibustered this vote, so that denied the 60-vote majority, and then the Republicans did their um, their big nuclear option, which meant that, you know, it just meant majority, majority vote, not the 60 vote. But... What I am excited to see in the future is um, the hearings that the state government um, is going to listen to and to see which way Gorsuch votes because he is a reliable conservative and a pro-corporate judge, which means he basically thinks that um, corporations have human rights or humans and they deserve to have um, rights of humans. Um, And one of the hearings that they're going to be hearing is whether corporations can be sued for complicity in human rights abuses abroad. So I'm I'm just really excited to see which way he votes on this one because according to his beliefs, corporations are humans. And if humans are complicit in human rights abuses, they would be they would be held accountable, right? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I just really want to see. Yeah, definitely. I'm so excited. Also like it's been a big week. Um, yeah. It's been a really big week for Trump. Um, obviously, um, since last week where there was the missile strikes on Syria, um, one of the largest non-nuclear bombs was um, bombed. Is that the right way? <laughs> Executed? Executed? No. I mean, like, detonated? Detonated. <laughs> um, in Afghanistan... 
apparently to stop um, ISIS. And that's one big thing. I think it's so weird that Trump is doing all of this, like, foreign policy shit. It is amazingly weird that all this stuff. foreign policy stuff has been happening. Because, um, uh, yeah, he, he was saying that he wasn't going to be the world's policeman, but mm. it's very policeman Trump right yeah, now. Yeah, and, like, the first few f- first few months of his presidency is really um, getting on that. Really, really oh getting on that. And, um, of course, that lovely, lovely um, Sean Spicer. Wait, are we doing pop chat now? We're almost pop chat. <laughs> but um, it's been... Soon. A... <laughs> yeah, I mean, should we start pop chat? Mm. I think we should start pop chat. What time is it? Pop chat. <laughs> <laughs> so um, pop chat is when um, we talk about light and bubbly like bubbly, topics. refreshing really topics. <laughs> funny topics that I I really love this segment. It's my favourite. We all love this segment. We're so looking good. forward to it. Yeah. Um, so kind of where I was, um, Sean Spicer saying that Hitler never used chemical warfare hmm. when I think that was the main thing that Hitler used to kill people. Yeah, but not in, like, on the Holocaust centres. I mean, in centres. It was very specific, but still. Um, So, like, um, Spicer was saying that Bashar al-Assad is worse than Hitler because he's been using chemical warfare when Hitler used chemical warfare. And this happened during Passover, so... Like, I'm trying to figure out what he was trying to say, because I'm like, is he trying to say, like, he didn't use it on his own people? But, like, they were his own people. Like I don't even understand don't even what know. his comparison was. I don't know. You sense. just can't trust people who wear green ties. Like it's probably yeah. not justification for what either of them have been doing. Like I don't think it's like that's very uh, who's worse competition. I think you just like, let's, deal let's... with the problem. <laughs> yeah, and kind yeah, of thing. Not have comparisons to. Let's just like not compare dictators. Yeah, it's very. I mean, it's not about how big a dictator is. It's size doesn't matter. <laughs> Moving on. What's your pop chat? Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) lightening it up a little bit um, from dictator talk. um, (laughs) Donald Trump, another another kind of Trump sort of thing, which tends to be a bit of a theme in these sort of these sort of chats, is that um, he's decided on um, he's contacted NASA. Um, re-searching the moon for raw materials, <laughs> which I don't know. It's kind of um, there uh, is raw vegan materials. <laughs> I don't know that they're vegan-approved materials. Um, Space vegan. <laughs> so anyway, he's he's I don't know. He's planning on mining there and using it for corporate gain. Maybe that was maybe that was the whole intention of becoming president. Yeah. It's just a big. Trump enterprise space strategy. Enterprise. I can imagine him googling it in like, Trump can sp- you get <laughs> organic or Trump material? Trump space enterprise. Space. Um, luxury space veganism. <laughs> so anyway, I've seen Avatar and I just don't think it's a good idea to go um, mining for raw yeah. mi- minerals on other planets. Yeah. That's true. just the storyline of Avatar. Just, <laughs> just don't do it. And also like multiple episodes of like Futurama as well. Yeah. Like, Popular culture is, is informing. Don't don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Um, but anyway, I think at the moment uh, NASA are kind of. Um, I don't think yeah. they're wholly against the idea, just because I think it means it would probably mean some funding for them. Yeah, exactly. And if president's like, yeah, we'll get some material and some 
And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get that from, <laughs> from the moon. <laughs> but we just have to go to Mars first and yeah. figure out that. There might be life everywhere. Well, didn't they find lettuce? Lettuce. Lettuce does mean life. Lettuce. Did they find lettuce on it? I think. I think they found bacteria, but lettuce, like an actual lettuce, lettuce doesn't. (laughs) Maybe someone. We need to fact check this again. Oh my gosh! Fact checking. Past expedition. Definitely. We are not fake news. We fact check. Lettuce doesn't mean life though, because it's got no nutritional well, it means that value. Water on it. What's your favorite type of lettuce? Oh my god, what is it? We're, we're back to this question. <laughs> I had like uh, I've remembered because um, when you Bill pa- Shorten like <laughs> last year asked a woman um, in the supermarket, "What's your favorite kind of lettuce?" Oh, remember lettuce gate. No, I don't remember that. Lettuce gate. Do get I get it. to say my favorite lettuce? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, I've lettuce? been thinking about this since our last lettuce lettuce quiz. <laughs> um, so I thought about it. I was trying to remember. I really like cos lettuce. Does oh, anyone know cos lettuce? We should yeah. really do an That's emoji like poll on salad, what yeah. your favourite lettuce is. Yeah, it is a good idea. You'll do that. Cool. Which um, reminds me, like, if you're interested in represent, you know, tweet us and Facebook us. us. The Facebook, the Twitter. We'll be on there. Stop <laughs> us. All of them. Yes. Well, well t- two out of three of us are all there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sad reacts only. Yeah, so uh, America had a fun week last week, this week, with Pepsi, United Airlines, Sean Spicer. What did you guys think of the Pepsi ad? I didn't really think that much about it. I mean, like, okay, it's it's like one of the Jenners doing a thing with Pepsi. Yeah. I mean, I was more horrified by um, United Airlines. Apparently he lost two teeth. I can can imagine why. That was... That's that ridiculous video? and like overbooking flights. There's a, it's it's a very common thing to overbook flights. But usually you get like, awesome, Quite. yeah, stuff in return for not being able to go on the flight exactly. instead of being assaulted. <sighs> what did you think of it? The Pepsi ad. I didn't. I don't think I actually saw the Pep Pepsi ad. What was oh. what was what did it include? Um, a lot of slogans. Um that were Pepsi coloured. So it was like lots of blue and white and red um, with join the conversation. And everyone was very happy and jolly to be protesting. Um, and it basically oh, ended... I think I, I think I did see yeah, some spin-offs was, of that. It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I had yeah. seen it. I, yeah, I saw a few um, like news outlets or like commentary outlets. Yeah, I, that's, I don't think I saw the original. I just yeah, think like, I saw... Like spin-offs yeah. of the original ad. Well, it was funny when they were sort of like not funny, kind of sad when they were comparing like a real protest to the ad, and then the iconic photo of um, that in- inspired, I guess, the shot of Kendall Jenner. Um, I think her name was Aisha, mm-hmm. um, who was actually, you know, taken to jail after yeah. um, she approached the police, um, and obviously. The joke is like she should have had a Pepsi, but um, that's yeah, that's probably not an appropriate joke. <laughs> yeah, I think really, some no, like, topic should maybe be off limits. For I mean, like especially if yeah. this is like in regards to Black Lives Matter um, protest, which I think this one was. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's such a like maybe this is it's it's too soon. 
It's I like, feel like you could do it right, though. I just feel like Pepsi, the way they did it, it was it was kind of selfish. Like, you don't actually have to put... Are you paying this person's, like, legal fees for getting in jail? Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, you don't have to... Maybe I think we're past the time where you have to feature your product in an ad in order to um, advertise it. Like, now yeah. we're more socially aware, and maybe you just had to have a real politically driven ad that yeah. didn't involve Kendall Jenner giving and I think um, Pepsi. I think it's interesting because it's it's also like this ongoing discussion um, around like how much can corporations especially big corporations um, kind of capitalize on social movements mm. and protest movements so like every Mardi Gras etc there's always a discussion about like ATM and gay TM like is that you know is it right for um for organisations, like, large-scale organisations to do all this, you know, marriage equality, queer rights stuff when, you know, it originally that movement was very grassroots and, you know, it wasn't necessarily working with police. There was police violence and corruption, etc., towards people um, in within that protest movement. So is it okay for big corporations? And I feel like that's the same thing with, like, is it right for um, Pepsi to kind of, like, you know... Talk, use symbols from Black Lives Matter and other um, protest movements to basically sell a drink. Mm. Yeah, so you got to kind of got to look at whether they're exploiting that movement mm. or like, are they improve like are they helping or are they just exploiting it for commercial purposes? Yeah. That's kind of the most important thing to think of, like when you're having a look at whether you're going to do some kind of ad campaign. Mm. Definitely, I think a similar campaign is with that Airbnb ring. Um, for marriage equality where you wear a wing that's not finished and I mean it's a bit interesting a bit strange like there's no money that's being generated to actually um, because like it's the the thing is free like the ring is free Um, you just pay postage and handling so it's not like they're actually fundraising for Mm. a campaign on marriage equality but it's like we'll wear this symbol to show that we're with you I mean, I s- <laughs> it's like a it's like a cute sentiment, but yeah. at the same time, it's a bit like okay, Airbnb. <laughs> I think it's nice. I mean, I I don't know. I think it's nice when company and large scale companies get on board, but when they do stuff that doesn't involve um, their mm-hmm. they're making money. Yeah. So I think maybe Airbnb, you know, did a lot better than Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> like maybe them, the company making money should be like the side intention not at the forefront maybe don't mm. put your product in if it comes as a side effect that's positive but the real idea should be about helping this movement if, yeah. if, yeah. They're, if they're getting behind it that should that should be the intention I would yeah. love to see who was on the board when they put this advert together I just would love to see I imagine it being like, like Utopia like have you guys watched Utopia on ABC I reckon yeah, that's how all bad decisions are made like, they're like probably on like level like 50 on their in their building they don't come downstairs to like the ground to see what life's like mm. and they're probably all white all 40 rate 40 year old men they're white they like people of color in theory but they don't know anything like it yeah <laughs> anyway um we are running out of time yes we are <laughs> <laughs> well um that's it for today um another episode of represent gone by the uh hour of politics but you can join us next week same time on sin nation or you can check us out on Instagram by searching for SYN Represent. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash sin represent. 
and we're on Twitter. And, um, yeah, we are on iTunes and Omni. You might be listening to us right now. But thank you so much for listening.